Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic and conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. There's a high fly ball from KMOX Sports. That's it deep to left field, and it's a gutter. Welcome to the Meyer Jensen Sports on a Sunday morning. In the driving jam time. The Billikens win this one. Meyer Jensen, a personal injury law firm, because sometimes the gloves have to come off. MeyerJensen.com. Comeback pattern caught. Touchdown, Kansas City. Now, sports on a Sunday morning on America's Sports Voice, KMOX. Here's the next by. Wood and is up and in and back to the screen and Albert Pujols is uh, knocked down. He doesn't even look at the uh, mound. He uh, darn near injured himself as he had to uh, avoid that pitch. He takes his helmet off, walks back into the batter's box, sets himself, and I wouldn't wouldn't I love to see number 25 off of Albert's bat go into the street. The pitch. Swing and hello, Fourth of July. Take a ride on that knockdown pitch, big boy. Kerry Wood knocked him down, and now Albert looks at him as he goes around first. He gives him a glare. Say, take a little whiff of that, big boy. And now Kerry Wood takes a look at Albert as he touches them off. Give it to him, big boy. Give it to him. That's how you play baseball. That's when you're a professional like Albert is. You don't glare out there. You don't throw your bat. You don't charge the mound. You just take the next pitch and you hit it into the uh, seats. My all-time favorite Mike Shannon call by my all-time favorite hitter, Albert Pujols. Happy birthday to Albert. He's 42 today. You know what I love about that call, James? I listened, I've listened to it hundreds and hundreds of times, but I just heard something in there that I really like. Listen to this again in the beginning. Listen to the Cubs fans after Pujols gets knocked down. Oh, yeah, 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 Kerry. Listen to this. Here's the next by Wood, and it's up and in and back to the screen, and Albert Pujols is uh, knocked down. He doesn't even look at the uh, mound. He uh, darn near injured himself as he had to uh, avoid that pitch. Listen to them. Oh, they're just, yeah, let's go. Yeah, knock down the big guy. 
He takes his helmet off. Walks back into the batter's box. Sets himself. And I wouldn't, wouldn't I love to see number 25 off of Albert's bat go into the street. The pitch. Swing and hello, 4th of July. Take a ride on that knockdown pitch, big boy. Oh, I just love it. It's so good. It's so, so good. Albert, Albert Pujols, happy birthday to him. That was sometime, wasn't it? 03, 04, maybe the best top five Cardinals team of all time. That 04 team that lost to the Red Sox in the World Series. That season, Pujols did this. This is 2004. Here's the pitch to Albert. Swing and a drive deep into right center field. This one traveling for the bleachers and is into the bleachers. A home run into right center field by Albert Pujols, who has driven in both runs today, his 25th of the year. Farnsworth ready. Here's his pitch. Swung on, hit deep to left, and kiss this one goodbye. Albert Pujols on the first pitch he sees here in the seventh. It's a one-run game, 8-7. The runner goes, swing along and in the right. Has he done it again? Back at the wall. It is a home run. It's a home run, and the Redbird first baseman, Albert Pujols, is 5-5 five for five with three home runs, and the Cardinals lead this game 10-8. Is he something else? He is something else, and he did serious damage against the Chicago Cubs through the years, and he did this as well. This is 2005. This is, you know, I mean, you think about the great moments in Cardinals history. If the Cardinals had won this series, I could make the case before David Freeze, of course, that this is the greatest home run in Cardinals history. Based on everything that was happening in this game, season on the line, place buzzing, Brad Lidge, the pitcher. Burke deep out in left center. Tavares pulled over into a right center. Lane pacing in his right field position. Albert digs back in. Open stance, deep in the box. Bends at the uh, knee. Holds it down on the end. Lidge is ready. With two on and two out. Is the 0-1 pitch. It's coming. Swing and a long one. There it is, baby. The Cardinals take the lead as Albert Pujols comes through in the pit. And the Redbirds lead this baby 5-4. What'd I tell you, folks? David Eckstein, the man. This could be a crushing blow, a crushing blow to the Houston club. Albert Pujols, you talk about a most valuable player. How is that, baby? That thing left the ballpark in a hurry. A three-run home run, and the Cardinals lead 5-4. NASA, NASA may or may not have spotted that home run. That was just incredible. And in 2006, Cardinals won the World Series, thanks in part to another great season from Albert Pujols. Cardinals won it again at 11. Pujols in one game against the Rangers hit three home runs in a World Series game. It was some career in a 10-year run here in St. Louis. And he went on, of course, to the Angels and then the Dodgers. And he's celebrating a birthday today. Hasn't retired. We'll see if he wants to play a little more and who he plays for. But Albert Pujols, happy birthday to him. Also, while I have you talking Cardinals, before we get to our NFL picks, Cardinals made a little news yesterday. They inked an 18-year-old center fielder from South Korea. His name is Wonbin Cho. And he is the first Asian amateur player, the Cardinals development team tweeted yesterday, uh, to be 
signed by the Cardinals. Uh, he has, uh, as the Cardinals described, uh, a lot of different tools. They called him Toolsy. Uh, they said that he is one of the top high school prospects out of Seoul, South Korea. And again, the first Asian amateur player signed by the Cardinals organization, but who got more attention was Henny. In the picture, Henny, a golden uh, golden retriever, was in the photo. In fact, so much so that Cho tweeted another photo of Henny this morning wearing a Cardinals hat. <laughs> Henny is the dog's uh, the dog of uh, Cho's agent. So a really neat uh, story developing with the Cardinals in one bin Cho. And we wish him the very best. Also, a Dominican shortstop was signed, very well-regarded, Jonathan Mejia. He is 16. And we certainly hope to see these prospects grow within the Cardinals organization. We'll take a break. When we come back, our NFL picks with Lauren Lovett. Sports on a Sunday morning from the Stiefel Sports Studio on KMOX. There's a high fly ball. Welcome back to the Meyer Jensen Sports on a Sunday morning. And it's a gutter. Big fly, Nolan Arenado. Meyer Jensen, a personal injury law firm, because sometimes the gloves have to come off. MeyerJensen.com. And the Billikens win this one. Touchdown, Kansas City. On America's Sports Voice, KMOX. Key block by the left guard, Tom Ackerman. And right here, let's go downstairs to Bonnie. Marv, if you remember that uh, big run Robert Holcomb had on the first drive, one of the guys responsible on help busting him loose was Tom Ackerman. Tom Ackerman up front, and this is a unit that has played very well. A good night for Eddie George. 21 carries, 74 yards. The left guard, Tom Ackerman, with the block that, that set him free. It's a first down. Uh, if only I could block like the great Tennessee Titan Tom Ackerman did back then. Some familiar names in there. Marv Albert, Bonnie Bernstein, Robert Holcomb, former Ram. Did you know, Lauren Lovett, and hello and good morning, that today, 22 years ago, the St. Louis Rams hosted their first playoff game at the Dome. In fact, it was the first home playoff game in St. Louis history, and they blasted the Minnesota Vikings and, of course, went on to the Super Bowl victory that year that was 22 years ago today lauren wow wow that does not seem like it was that long ago i do remember that yep and the place was absolutely rocking isaac bruce scored the first touchdown and the route was on and so much fun in fact that's a rams home field advantage unlike what the rams have been dealing with uh, over the last several um games and in particular that 49ers game in which 49ers fans packed that place i wonder what's going to happen tomorrow night when Arizona takes on the Rams and how many Cardinals fans will be in there. We'll get to that game in just a bit, Lauren. And after yesterday's games, I am still up one on you. We texted each other our picks. We both picked the Bengals and the Bills. What was your impression of each team yesterday winning at home? You know, well, I'll start with, I mean, congratulations to the Bills. That's all I can say. I mean, as a Patriots fan, it was just, it was just, outright depressing to watch that game um it was just a horrible night as a Pats fan uh but I will say you know I will apologize to all my the Bills fans that I know if this is what it's been like for them for these last 20 years uh I I I apologize on behalf of Patriots Nation because that was tough that was tough to watch they were just they just couldn't do anything they couldn't catch the ball they couldn't run 
I, I don't even think it was Mac Jones's fault necessarily. I mean, I think I don't even know where to put the blame. I mean, the only person that seemed to be able to catch the ball last night was Kendrick Bourne. Uh, it was just a terrible showing. I mean, the Bills looked fantastic. I mean, they they just they they like you said when we spoke earlier. I mean, it was just a very telling win. Um, and I think you know I, I expect them to do good things going into these next few weeks. So congratulations to them. Uh, sad ending for for my team, but. Uh, that's all I can say about that. Yeah, I mean, they're really good. They've got a great offense. I think their defense doesn't get enough credit. Buffalo's defense is so good. They've got uh, really playmakers everywhere, and they were tough. I'll tell you what, if they're hot right now, look out. I would not want to be the team that has to face them. The Bills win 47-17. Bengals over the Raiders 26-19. Had to hold them off. That Raiders team is better than I gave them credit for, and if not for a whistle that was blown in the middle of a play, you know, maybe that play is over again. I don't know. Uh, but Joe right. Burrow, you know, doesn't nothing really seems to phase him. He looked good for the Bengals yesterday, 26-19 over the Raiders. I agree. I mean, that was it was closer than I thought it was going to be. I couldn't believe they came back the way that they did. I, I think that, um, you know, they, they played a really good game. I mean, I, I, I really figured the Bengals were going to take it, but um, they played a really good game. And, um you know, they really showed who they were. I think that they had a really great season. So, I mean, it'll be interesting to see what they do next year. But it was it was a good game. I thought they had a good showing. I'm with you. Okay, so Fox 2, if you're listening locally, Fox is the channel where you watch the Eagles and Bucks. And let's get some – do you want to go first or should I go first, Lauren, on these? Um, yeah, you can go first. I'll go first. So, I have – I'm starting to get some mixed feelings about this game because the Bucks are missing – some people. Mm-hmm. They're missing mm-hmm. receivers. They're missing yep. playoff Lenny, Leonard Fournette. Uh, they are hampered there offensively, and I wonder if the Eagles can hang in this game, especially the way the Eagles run the football and how consistent they've been and how strong they are. I'm very curious about this, and I think you could make the case that Jalen Hurts and the Eagles could steal this one, honestly. But I'm going to take the Bucks because I'd be foolish to bet against Tom Brady this early. Uh, but I think it's something to watch. But Tom Brady and the Bucks and Rob Gronkowski will find a way to win this game, Lauren. No, I agree. I mean, this is – they absolutely could. I mean, I think they will absolutely cover the spread in this game um, for sure. I just think, you know, like you said, the Eagles were – they have an amazing run game right now. They were able to run the ball all over uh, New Orleans, number one defense, uh, run defense. It's, you know, again, it's a recipe they'll stick with today, I think, against a lesser Bucks defense. But – like you, I just can't. I just can't imagine Tom Brady coming in and even you know with the loss of AB and the injuries they have going on. I just can't see him coming in and losing this game. So I think it could be. I think it could be close. I don't think it's going to be a blowout, but I'm definitely going to stick with with Brady and the Bucks today for the, the win. The spread is seven, by the way, for those who are interested in that. We are picking straight up though in these games. So both of us picked the Bucks. Niners at Cowboys at three thirty. What do you mm. think about that one? That game on CBS, Lauren. This is I've been back and forth with this one. This is my this is for sure is the toughest pick. I I think I'm gonna go I think I'm gonna go Dallas um today. I just feel you know, I have to say on the other side though, when I've been looking at the forty nine I mean, they have just been playing really well. I think Garoppolo's been playing fantastic. He's I think he only missed two starts this year and those are both the games that he lost. I think and I think the other ones were maybe when he got injured, but he's been when he's healthy, they've been playing so well. And now 
the running game with Debo and Ayuk healthy. Kittle's been playing 100%. They're just a really solid team right now. But even with all that being said, I just think, you know, Jack Prescott, I just, you know, even though he struggled a bit down the stretch, he ended the season with 295-yard, five-touchdown performance. I think if he plays, you know, even as close to as good as he played last Sunday, this could be a wrap for San Francisco. So, even with their run game as good as it is, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take the Cowboys today. I'm going to take the Cowboys as well. I think this would be a big disappointment for the Cowboys, obviously, but a big disappointment if they lost the game. I mean, they've got some real momentum here. I think that I question their offense, rightfully so, midway through the year, but they have righted yeah. that ship. Uh, they're playing really well. They've been explosive, as a matter of fact. They scored 51 on the Eagles in that last game, although, you know, last game's last game. But, I mean, they dropped 56. So they routed the Saints. Uh, they routed the Giants, which isn't saying a lot. But they're, I really like the way that they're playing overall, and I like the Cowboys in this game too. Uh, I'm going to pick, I think this is an obvious one, the Chiefs over the Steelers. It's Big Ben's. Yeah. Swan song, but I just don't see it. The Chiefs at Arrowhead on a Sunday night on KMOX is a pretty easy one, Lauren. Yeah, I agree. I mean, I just can't, I can't find a way that the Steelers can win in this game. I mean, the Chiefs are the best team in the NFL, and the Steelers just are not, unless they can force some turnovers. Or I don't even really know what they could do to make it happen. I just don't see a formula where the Steelers can come out with a win. So I too am going to take the Chiefs today. All right. So that leaves all kinds of drama here in the last yeah. pick of the weekend wild card weekend. It's the Arizona Cardinals at the Los Angeles Rams Monday night football. Lauren, love it. Who you got? I got the Rams. I got the Rams. I mean, I got to take them here. I mean, the Cardinals have only won one of their last five games. You know, this is Kyler Murray's first postseason start. You know, I think he is going to be pulling out all the stops. I think, you know, this could be a close game. I definitely think that the cards can cover the spread as well. And this game, I just I just can't pick against the Rams. I just think that they've got everything they need and more to uh, to win this. And I, I see them in the, in the Super Bowl, to be quite frank. So uh, I'm going to take the Rams today for the win. Go Big Red, baby. Let's go. Arizona Cardinals on You're Monday Night it? Football. Oh, yeah, you bet I'm doing it. They're going to okay. go on the road. They're going to win the game. Uh, and Matthew Stafford hasn't won a playoff game for a reason. Uh, and uh, there are obviously a myriad of reasons why I'm picking against the Rams, but I'm going to leave this just to football. Actually, one thing outside of football is it will be another disadvantage in the crowd for the Rams. Tons of Arizona fans are going to oh, make the sure. trip to this one for sure. Uh, but, but the Rams are without both of their starting safeties, and I think that's a problem. Uh, they, they have, of course, their weapons on offense, and they've got a nice team. Uh, but I'm going to pick, for sentimental reasons and for football reasons, the Arizona Cardinals to win All the right. game on Monday night. So if they win, I go up two on you. If they lose, we're tied we're going into tied the again. divisional round. Unbelievable. Wow, what a year this has been. It's been, a, it's been a fun year. It's been a fun year. I'm a little down today. I'm a little down on my energy after last night's game, but I'll bounce back. I know, but you sound good. Today. This is Patriots fan Lauren Lovett. She's, she's really, it's a tough one. I understand. Licking some wounds. Licking You've some won wounds enough. Today. You've won enough. Why don't you go review, like, all of your Super Bowl videos or something? You That's know, you a got, great idea. That's yeah. a good idea. Yeah, I think I'll do plenty. that. you got plenty. Uh, thanks for the visit, as always, and good luck. Thank you. Have a good one, Tom. Come back and we'll have Gary Pinkle, one of the greatest coaches of all time. He's going into the College Football Hall of Fame. He talks to me about it next. Sports on a Sunday morning from the Stiefel Sports Studio on KMOX. There's a high fly ball. Welcome back to the Meyer Jensen Sports on a Sunday morning. And it's a gutter. Big fly, Nolan Arenado. 
Meyer Jensen, a personal injury law firm, because sometimes the gloves have to come off. MeyerJensen.com. And the Billikens win this one. Touchdown, Kansas City! On America's Sports Voice, KMOX. What a treat, always, to talk to Gary Pinkle, the winningest coach in Mizzou football history, and now, I can say, a college football Hall of Famer. Coach, congratulations. What a great honor, and I'm sure what a great moment for you to be informed that you are going to be in the 2022 class of the College Football Hall of Fame. Yeah, thank you. Uh, it was uh, it was actually it's very overwhelming for me for a few days almost. Uh, you know, something that I you know I thought our programs and what we had done is worthy of it, but you know sometimes that doesn't isn't enough to to get you there. So uh, didn't really give it much thought. Uh, but when it happened, uh, it was um, it was just huge, and, and to this day, to this moment, it is too. And there's just a lot of people that have a lot to do with being a part of this whole thing, and coaches and players, and you know, administrators, and all these people part of our team. And um, so I'm I'm very blessed and feel very fortunate. Uh, I loved coaching, and you know, I loved kind of you know leaving a mark a little bit that uh, someone else can grab and, and move and make things better themselves. And you always have had such a great appreciation for those who came before you and a great respect for many, many of those names that will be alongside you in the College Football Hall of Fame. And I know that one name that I'm sure crossed your mind within the first few seconds of receiving that honor was Don James, Coach, that uh, somebody that uh, you absolutely looked up to through your life. Yeah, is, you know, he has this, such a huge impact on me uh, as a captain for him. Uh, you go back in time, a guy named Jack Lambert, who's in the Hall of Fame, uh, football, Hall of, NFL Hall of Fame, Steelers uh, championships. Um, he was a part of that team. Nick Saban was a part of that team. And Don James came in and did at Kent State what you can't do. You, you can't do what he did at Kent State. And it hasn't really been done. They, they, they're doing a little bit better now, which is, is kind of is good. But we won the first championship in the history of the school with the Tangerine Bowl. And, and I went eventually worked for him at Washington and, you know, that's kind of what I used to tell recruits who were going to St. Louis or Kansas City. You know, you know they, you know, they, 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 it's like another. Here comes another head football coach in here recruiting, and you guys have been the last four or five didn't work out very well. You know, didn't weren't winning hardly at all. Two winning seasons, seventeen years, and and so our story was this, and then I try to get him to believe this. The story was I'd go in, and I would I, I'd go into a family and I'd say, okay, I'm gonna tell you why this is gonna win. Okay, because you've heard Missouri coaches say, I'm gonna tell you why this is gonna be different. Uh, number one, uh, I'm going to go to Kent State University. I back up fifth, whatever years it was at the time. And uh, I'm, I'm there, with, like we just talked about, with uh, Jack Lambert, Don James, uh, my mentor, Don James. And he, he did at Kent State what you can't do. He won a championship. You can't do it. He goes to Washington, takes that work to Kent State, took it to Seattle, Washington. And he's in, that, he's in, he's in the College Football Hall of Fame right now, too. Won a national championship in 2001. Um, was really uh, I mean, I three championships, and I worked for him for 12 years. So I'm taking that program that worked at Kent State, that worked in Seattle, Washington, and now I'm dropping it in Toledo. Well, can it win there? Yes, it did. We won championships there. We undefeated in 1995, and our, my last year they were 10 and one, and we beat at Penn State. So, and then I look at the parents and say, okay, the young man. I look at him and say, okay, listen. So you understand how, why we're going to win? Because what happened where Kent State at work? It worked at Washington, it worked at Toledo, and guess where it's going to work right now? It's going to work at the University of Missouri. I guarantee it's going to work. And, and I really think that little recruiting spiel, first of all, it was the truth. 
But I really think that really helped kids to really just maybe, maybe let's give this guy a chance. And you know as well as I do, you know, if, you, know you have to have and, and you have to have a base in St. Louis, Kansas City, state of Missouri. It's hugely important for us to be successful. And that really after that, when that was what we sold, the why it was win, why we know it's going to work, then we started getting some of the great, 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 great recruits out of the state of Missouri and did that throughout our, our stay here. Yes, you did. And I think that the elite athletes and coaches and people in this business have that voice of, well, you can't do that. And that motivates them. And I, I hear that you know, from looking at what uh, Coach James did at Kent State and then you being able to repeat a lot of that at Toledo and then going to Missouri. And what a run it was, Coach. I mean, 10 bowl appearances, six bowl victories, I know you're extremely proud of. And I can go back to that bowl in Shreveport the first time at the Independence Bowl, and you lost the game to Arkansas, but you were there, you, and you had started to set something. And then that comeback against South Carolina in the Independence Bowl, that's what really got it rolling, didn't it? Yeah, that was that was a crazy one there, that game. that was uh, we, we just weren't, we weren't playing our best, and... You know, then all of a sudden we get an interception on the, in, the, in the end zone or on one yard line and, you know, take it to the house. Uh, good stuff. I mean, yeah, it was a, uh, took a while. I mean, it was, we had three losing seasons the first four years, um, but we didn't deviate. We, did, we didn't go away from anything. In fact, we just – what we do works. We just have to keep at it and making kids players stronger, faster, quicker, you know, developing trust. And I used to tell my coaches, don't, don't expect our players to passionately care about Mizzou football if they don't feel like they passionately care about them. So when they find they really know that we care about them, I mean, through the good times, bad times, and when they get in trouble and all that other stuff, if they know they care, then, then guess what? They're going to jump on. They're going to jump on. They're going to start trusting. When you get the trust, then you take off. And it just took us because of, uh, of how difficult it was at the beginning. It took us a while to get it going. But once we got all the systems in place, um, we started winning, and, and I can't name – I mean, I started naming one player. I got to name 150 players or same way with coaches and, and you know, our strength and development people and, and our trainer. Uh, I, all these people, all these people, and, and Mike Alden, um, they – you know, this is this – is, this is Gary Pinkle's a part of this, okay? And, you know, without all these other people, uh, it doesn't get done. And so, uh, you know, I represent everybody. Who, who was a part of that and, and thank them. And I, I think, I hope they're as proud of, of them as I am. Well, and, and I know that they are, and I know you've always been humble about that. I remember one time speaking at a recruiting event that they had me MC for Mizzou and I praised you and you got up to the podium and you're like, well, that's great, but I haven't done anything yet. <laughs> and, uh, and then you did, you started a role. I, I would never ask you for one moment over the other, because there are so many and there are probably a lot that we don't even know uh, personal to you that felt great. But for me, watching you achieve number one in the nation, beating Kansas at Arrowhead Stadium on that cold night was uh, incredibly special. And I think for a lot of Mizzou fans, they would agree. That was some night, wasn't it? Oh, it, it was, you know, I, you're, you really can't name a game, but you can. You know, you know I always tell people that. Well, I can't. There's, well, I love my players, man. There's been so many great games, but I said, you know, I, I always talk about the atmosphere in that game was as big an atmosphere as you're going to get in any university at any time. Um, it, it doesn't get better than that at Ohio State, Michigan. It doesn't get better than than that with Texas, Oklahoma. The, we were we were in that stadium that night. 
Uh, you know, we had two great football teams play, uh, two rivals play, and, you know, it'll go down one of the, you know, the great nights. In my, uh, I remember doing saying my prayers, and I'd say, God, I don't know if you care who wins this or not, but I'd still, I'd really like to win. <laughs> so I just want good Lord to know <laughs> what, what and people say, we well, can't ask him to win. Well, why not? If you don't want to, then that's fine. So anyway, uh, we, we feel very fortunate to, to be a part of that. And, and then we kind of took off from there. And that's the neat thing about that. We really kind of took off, you know, when a champion, we, we were fourth that year, the next year, I think we were ended up about 17th in the nation. Uh, we were in championship again. Uh, then 2010, we, we, we had the same number of wins losses as Nebraska, I think it was, but they, I think they went that year, uh, but we, but we tied for the divisional championship. And then 13, we had a fifth in the nation, you know, and, and then in um, uh, yeah, 13 and 14, you know, we did it again. So I think, I, I think one of the neat things that kind of helped us in some respects is that we were, you know, we were doing the, the, this stuff at the Big 12, and we were winning. And now we're going, da-da, you know, to play the drums. Now we're in the SEC, yeah. you know. And you weren't going to find out if this program is good enough. And, you know, we win, we went two championships there back-to-back in 13 and 14, which I mentioned a moment ago. And I, I think that as far as looking at our program, looking at our impact on, you know, at Toledo and here on college football, I think that kind of really helped us maybe get over the hump. Yes, I, I just talked to Mike Kelly about that, where I said, for, you know, for me personally, you look at all of Gary's great accomplishments – Going to the SEC and in short time going to back-to-back championship games was a big deal. I mean, you won five conference division titles, Gary, but going to the yeah. SEC, and you heard it as well as uh, anybody, you could hear, yeah, but you know, Missouri's going to the SEC. I mean, this is a little bit different yeah. now, and you found a way to make an impact right away. Yeah, that, that I think at the end of the day, that that was kind of the stamp on our on on, on the program, the Don James program, the Nick Saban program, the Gary Pinkle program. It, it, it stamped it as, as being, you know what, um, you know the other thing too. I got to just to I got to add to this real quick. You know, Coach James is in you know, the College Football Hall of Fame, and um, Nick Saban. I think they might let him the <laughs> Hall of Fame. Sure, <laughs> I'm not sure. And I and I'm in there, and so that and you know, and on, on that same team, you know, a friend of mine, uh, Kent State, you know, we have our uh, our championship uh, uh, renewed this year. We're going to have a big deal going on back in Kent, Ohio, Kent, Ohio. But uh, you know, we really, you know, all those, all those, all that winning and all that was about. There's a lot of a lot of great things that happened that team, and um, so. It's kind of you go back and then you look what happened. But, you know, Nick uses an awful lot of what, what Coach James did, and, and that's just consistency. And the reason I say this real quick, too, because this kind of proves it, he loses about four or five coaches a year. They go professionally advanced. They go become coordinators. They go to become head coaches. And he, he loses those guys. And guess what? He plugs them in with other people, and they don't miss a beat. Well, why? Because you don't come in and do your own thing there. You're your personality, which is good. There's a way, it's just like my, my staff and just like Coach James and my staff, there's a way you teach, there's a way you coach, there's a way you recruit, there's a way you, how you handle discipline. This is where I, mean, I can go on and on, and everybody does the same thing and the consistency there. So he doesn't miss a beat. Most programs lose two or three real good coaches, and they might suffer for it for three or four years. Not, not, not Nick. And I think that just goes back to Coach James and the program and how solid that was and how fortunate. 
he is a leader, no doubt. And it uh, trickles down to everybody that works for him and everybody that plays for him. And you can see that. And I know finally, Gary, that you mentioned the people around you uh, to be able to watch not only Mizzou uh, play in the SEC, but the players that you've coached go on to be professionals uh, and and people in life, just to watch them thrive as human beings. It, it is a big family that I know you're very proud of, aren't you? Yeah, and the one thing that we did we did a really good job of, I think, is and because we care, we cared about our players. Is I had a, I, I had a responsibility to help develop young men too, and make them help them become better people, help them to be more accountable, help them be more responsible, help them, you know, and, and the importance of you know how they treat people and how you. And I started this thing in 2009, I think I started it, and it was. Uh, it was uh, fatherly advice. So every Thursday at game, before our games, I, we, had, we had a meeting, and I started it because I wanted to do more. And uh, I give far, before I started the, that, that, the football part of it, I just wanted my players to know I care about them and I, I, I want to help them. And so, like, I would, let's say, you know, you're going on this particular game we're playing, uh, whoever, and uh, we're going to talk about going out on, on, your, on a date with a lady and how you open the door. I do all this stuff like this. And I had to get so much feedback from the players about it. And it was about a lot more stuff than that. It was about honesty. It was about a lot of things, but for values. I had to start, I want to start teaching in, in, in a, at a time when you normally wouldn't do it before big games on a Thursday, but spend five minutes on things to help them be better young men or they can look at themselves and analyze. So we did a lot more stuff than just trying to win games. We, we wanted to help make better people. And, and, and again, it's not me, it's not Gary Pinkle, it's all the people around me, the coaching staff and all the people, um, that, that assist my players. And, um, it was, it was really fun because we were doing the right things. And that's why my foundation, the GP made foundation, which helps kids. That's kind of what I, what I was missing when I retired was I was just so used to, you know, my players are a pain in the butt a lot to excuse my French, but at the end of the day, I really miss taking care of my players and helping them become better people. And that's where my foundation has been really good, where we can, we can do, we can start at a younger age, kids under 17 and do different things to help them in different ways with scholarship and, and, and a lot of other different uh, things that we can, we can do. Yeah. The GP made foundation and made M A D E stands for making a difference every day. And yes. Gary Pinkle does that in the lives of youth and children with the GP Made Foundation. And his story and the celebration is on because in December he is going to officially be inducted in the College wow. Football Hall of Fame. That is tremendous news. And we're very, very happy for you, Gary. Thanks for all that you've done for us, and we can't wait for the years to come. Well, I appreciate that. Thank you. And uh, God bless you all. Let's have a great 2022. Let's do it. There's the Hall of Fame coach, Gary Pinkle, with us on KMOX back after this. Your home of the Cardinals, Billikens, and Chiefs. Touchdown, Kansas City! America's Sports Voice, KMOX. I wonder when it's all over if Patrick Mahomes will come back to St. Louis, big blues fan. I kind of like how the Chiefs and Blues helped each other out back then. Anyway, what about the Blues tomorrow night against the Nashville Predators? That's one part of the story. The other is the fact that before the game, one of the greatest defensemen in the history of the league will have his number 44 retired. That is Chris Pronger. 
It has been a long time coming, and it's an exciting time for one of the best blues of all time. And I asked him recently if he had thought about what that night was going to be like. Uh, you know what? <laughs> I haven't. Uh, a, a little bit, you know, just seeing uh, some other, you know, athletes have their jerseys retired and stuff. Uh, you know, you start thinking about, all right, I, I, I'm going to have to start a speech at some point. <laughs> it's I keep kind of kicking it down the road, but uh, I, I probably should start at least trying to gauge, I guess, the goalposts and how far I want to go and how how really I want to leave it. Yeah. Uh, obviously, a uh, uh, 10 years in St. Louis and came as a 20 year old and left as a 30 year old, 30, yeah, almost 31. So a lot of development uh, between that time frame, and, uh, and, and a lot happened good and bad, which, which is great. You know, the ups and downs and the, uh, uh, you know, I think a lot of times, you know, you see, uh, you know, people going to the hall of fame or they have their number retired and, you know, everybody thinks it was easy and everybody thinks that uh, there was no adversity or heartache along the way. And uh, I think when you talk to anybody who's had the opportunity and the honor of, of being in those situations, that's all they remember is the adversity and, and what drives and pushes them. And, uh, you know, that's certainly the same for me. I wasn't exactly a fan favorite my first year. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, traded for, for Brendan Shanahan. My name was Lou. <laughs> traded for Brendan Shanahan. Well, the Jack Buck Awards the other night, we had Gary Unger there, and I I was asked to present him. And the first line of my presentation speech was Gary Unger was traded for Red Berenson. I mean, that is a tall task. Yeah. So you were traded for Brendan Shanahan, and. So your career, and you mentioned, I mean, it spanned a decade here, but, you know, it ended not the way you wanted. It started in, in an awkward kind of fashion. Probably not the way I wanted. Right? <laughs> it but, in, <laughs> but in between, boy, there was some good stuff. But I love what you just said because the adversity is kind of what builds you. Who said that the other Adam Wainwright um, yeah. is fueled by, he remains fueled by. And people would think, you know, Adam Wainwright's such a nice guy, and you see him on all these videos and hugging people and shaking hands. Adam Wainwright is fueled by people who say he can't do it. Yeah. And that that I is I think if that's you, if you look at and it's if you look at any elite athlete, any athlete that's worth his salt, and any athlete that is uber competitive, the little birdie telling you or or the, the quote machine that's always telling oh, he can't do it. He can't do it. That's what gets guys up in the morning to train, to push themselves, to, you know, want to prove people wrong. I mean, it, it just, that's what fuels you. You use that as, as motivation and energy to, to push and push you in the dog days. And, and, and in the good days, use that as motivation. Like you can't let up, you know, when, when things are going good and things are great, the lay person has the tendency to just kind of let off the gas. And that's when the elite guy is pushing harder and, and jamming his foot on the accelerator going, okay, I, if I feel good, then how good can I really get? Yeah. And I mean, so put, having that ability to push yourself uh, past 
points where most people are comfortable is what makes the Adam Wainwrights of the world who they are. I, I watched you go up against the best of the best. I know there was mutual respect. They respected you. You respected their ability. But there also had to be an edge on your part because you played with an edge unlike any athlete I've ever covered. I mean, how, how did you kind of muster that for a game? No, I mean, you're a pro, you're, and, and you, you knew who you were up against, but you had this edge to you. Did you not? Yeah, I knew. I knew. Um, I figured out early on in, you know, in my teenage years that I, I didn't like being friends with my opponents. You know, like guys are buddy buddy and hanging out with guys and doing all. I, I didn't like doing that. Uh, you know, I, number one, I was too competitive. Number two, I've got to play against this guy. I don't, I'm trying to hurt him. Like I'm trying to hit him as hard as I can. <laughs> like, so I'm not trying to injure him. I'm trying to hurt him. I, I want him to feel some pain so that he might not want to go get that puck. He might not want to go in front of the net. He might choose an alternative path to get somewhere that's going to buy me a second or two to be able to exit the zone. Um, so I just, you know, I, I was always, you know, and I was always a PA rep and all that. I mean, I'd go to these meetings, I'd sit by myself because <laughs> nobody wanted to sit with me. <laughs> they hated me. Uh, well, I'm perfectly fine with that because I also wasn't out there making friends. I wasn't out there giving guys ta love taps. You know, you get to a face off, you give a guy a whack in the laces, you give a guy a whack in the wrist. Um, you know, and, and, you know, you get in front of the net, you start inflicting a little um, massaging techniques on their feet and their knees and their calves and their arms and their back. Uh, they don't necessarily want to stand in front of the net anymore. So just knowing how I needed to play to be the most effective and the best that I could be. And part of that is just how I'm wired. I mean, that's the only way I know how to play the game. That is Chris Pronger, the Hall of Famer, who will have his number 44 retired tomorrow. And that is why he was a fan favorite. And you, the Blues fans knew when he took the ice, it was going to be a good night. We are broadcasting from the Stiefel Sports Studio. We're sports on a Sunday morning, and we will see you next Sunday. Have a great day. I'm Tom Ackerman on KMOX. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? You spend only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for 25 bucks per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. 
Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month without a pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com.